they could not take their eyes from you. You were bleeding, they were weeping. Faithful sisters, they had followed you. They did not understand, they could not see. They were mourning their loss as the sky turned black and the earth turned red at the foot of the cross he was standing near your mother they were so close they could hear you sigh all around them angry voices pierced the darkness and you were dying but they would not leave they lingered there no matter the cost they were staying they were praying at the foot of the cross keep me near the cross near the cross may I never stray so far that I cannot see what flowed down for me at the foot of the cross now I'm standing in your presence and I cannot take my eyes from you you have risen I'm forgiven precious Savior Oh, I worship you. No, I'm not looking back. I heard your voice. I'm staying here. I made my choice, but now it's real. Now I kneel at the foot of the cross. Keep me near the cross the cross may I never stray so far that I cannot see what flowed down for me at the foot of the cross keep me near the cross near the cross may I never stray that I cannot see what flowed down for me the food of the cross with you for you and uh
We praise Him for that. If you have your Bibles this morning, uh, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, we've been talking about 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Our series that we're in right now is called Activating Agreements. Uh, every day, you're having thoughts that go through your mind, and some of those things are true, and you need to agree with them. Some of those things are false, and you need to reject them. And that's the idea. Satan is a liar. How many of you know that? Say amen. He's a liar, and he wants to lie about God and uh, who God is. God's too boring. God's too restrictive. You're not good enough for God. You'll never measure up for God. And uh, we need to recognize the scams because you're try- Satan is the ultimate scammer, and he's trying to scam you. How many of you, uh, somebody tried to scam you this week? Raise your hand. All right. So I got one this morning. <laughs> I got a text this morning. The third time, there, I got a package waiting on me with a guy who's got a phone number this long, and he wants me to send him my credit card information, I guess. I haven't clicked on it. But the truth is, you've all been trying to, you all tried to get scammed this week, right? Satan's trying to scam every one of us, and God offers truth, and so we need to learn to agree with God. When we agree with God, it activates life. We, we, we begin to experience life. When we agree with Satan and his lies, then he steals from us, steals our joy, steals, steals our love, steals our closeness with Christ. And so last week we talked about our agreements about God, that what we believe about God is the most important thing that ever comes in our minds, okay? So this morning you want to talk about uh, what do you believe about you? Look, if you will, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. What do you agree, what do you believe about you? Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who also made us, everybody say made us. He made us sufficient as ministers. He's not talking about preachers or people being on staff. He's talking about servants, about every Christian, okay? He's made us all sufficient as servants or ministers of the new covenant Not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. I told you a story a couple of years ago about a guy named John O'Leary. John O'Leary is the guy that, I'm going to give you a different spin on the story today, but John O'Leary is a guy that when he was nine years old, um, he wanted to make a big fire, and uh, he saw the gas can in his parents' garage, and he took that gas can, and he made him a fire, and uh, and he went to pour the gas on the fire. Uh, Don't ever do that, okay? It exploded, um, burned their house down. Uh, Also, he was burned uh, over 100% of his body. Uh, John was taken to the hospital and the emergency room. They told his parents that he had less than 1% chance of survival. Uh, John did survive. I've told you that before, but what I want to tell you, what I want you, the part of the story I want you to focus on today, I want you to hear a couple of agreements that were offered to John. A couple of things about about God and who God was in him. John said when he was in the hospital, early, early on, early on, they didn't think he was going to live. And his mom said to him, now think about it, he's a nine-year-old. She said, John, do you want to live or die? Do you want to live or die? And he said, well, mom, I want to live. And when he said that, she said, okay, John, then you take the hand of God and God will see you through And we'll be right here with you, but you're going to have to fight. You take the hand of God. And John was a Christian, and he decided, he had to make an agreement. Am I going to give up? Am I going to keep doing this? Am I going to fight this on my own? Or am I going to do what my mom offered me? Take the hand of God, and he will see you through. 
Well, John survived. He was in the hospital for months. Uh, finally got a chance to go home, went home in a wheelchair, couldn't walk. All of his fingers were burned off. It was absolutely horrible. And uh, it got time for John to go back to school. He was around 11 or 12 years old, and he was very, very afraid to go back to school. He was still in a wheelchair, didn't have any fingers, uh, terribly disfigured. And he was kept saying to his dad, why me, dad? Why, why does this have to happen to me? And he was afraid he'd be stared at. He was afraid he'd be made fun of. He'd be, he was afraid he was going to be bullied, all of which happened. And so he kept saying it the, the night before. He said, I still remember my dad kneeling down and looking at me in the eyes. And he said, John, you have a choice. You can be a victim or you can be a victor. And that depends on you and what you believe about God. And he said, John, that's going to determine how people see you. That's going to determine how you see yourself. And, and today, if you can see a picture of John when he was nine years old, you can see a picture of John when he was nine years old. There he is in a wheelchair, all burned up like that. And uh, he did hold on to the hand of God, and God supplied and ministered to him a lot of ways. And, and years later, John actually uh, founded his own construction company. And while he was part of that construction company, he felt like he was doing what God wanted him to do, really feel like he was kind of hiding out. His dad got Parkinson's disease, had to quit his job, had to retire because of the Parkinson's. And his dad decided to write a book about John's journey. And he wrote a book called Against All Odds. And he ran off like 100 copies of the book and gave them out to some of his friends. And, and a number of his friends bought them, uh, ran off another 100. Today, that book has sold over 100,000 copies of his dad's book. One of the people that got the book, uh, was a, his daughter was a Girl Scout there in town. And so she, he asked John, would you speak to my daughter's Girl Scout troop? And so he did. Three girls. That was his first speaking engagement. Three girls said he never looked up from his notes and uh, said they didn't even give him a box of Girl Scout cookies when he got done. And he said, one of the guys that was there, uh, one of the girls that was there, her dad was a member of the Kiwanis Club, and so they invited John to speak. And one of those guys was part of the Rotary Club. They invited John to speak, and John's uh, spoken over 2,500 times now to close to a million people. He's the best-selling author of two books, one called On Fire, one called uh, In Awe, about living in awe. And he has a podcast all across the world called Be Inspired. You can see a picture of John today. Uh, John's got a... Uh, wrong picture. It should be a different picture before that. That doesn't look like John, does it? Uh, is that, there's no other picture on there. Okay, that's all the pictures we got. John's married to a beautiful lady. He's got four children. And here's what I want you to see today. John, if he continued to see himself that way and to continue to see God as somebody that did something to him, not God who was going to be for him, not a God who could see him through, it would have stymied his voice. He inspires people all over the world with the story about what God has done in his life. And what we see in 2 Corinthians, the reason I tell you that story is that the theme of 2 Corinthians really is God's power works through weakness. God's power works through weakness. And uh, Paul wrote four letters to the Corinthians. We only have two of them. He wrote one, and they wrote him a letter back. He responded to that letter with 1 Corinthians. Then they wrote another letter, John, and uh, Paul actually visited, talked about some things, straightened some things out, and they're kind of getting back on the right track, but there's other teachers coming in and other people saying things, and they were charging the Corinthians money. Uh, for their services, charging them money to speak and that kind of thing. And kind of the idea was, well, you know, these other people, you know, they're, uh, they can charge us money and, you know, they've got the credentials, this kind of thing. Paul, not, that, not, not so much. 
And they were kind of down on Paul. They're kind of like, eh, Paul's kind of weak. Paul maybe is not, not, not all that, you know. And so Paul writes 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians, we see in chapter 3, verse 5, Paul makes a really important statement for all of us to remember. He says, you know, we're not sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives what? The Spirit is life. And so God wants to take us in our brokenness, in our weakness, with all of our difficulties that we have, and God wants you to say, look, I can do whatever God calls me to do. I've been thinking about this. I think if I was going to give a baccalaureate speech, and I, I, I think I might say, and I haven't decided on this yet, I think I might say something like this. They lied to you. You can't be anything you want to be. <laughs> okay? To all the graduation speeches, you can be anything you want to be. That ain't true. <laughs> That's a lie. All right? But here's the thing. We can be instruments in the hands of a holy God to be used for eternal purposes. Every one of us. Somebody say, that means me. So we're going to look today. I want to look today at this. I want to, I want to help us try to decide to believe God's truth, not only to decide to believe it, but to declare it to ourselves and to do that daily. Let's talk about it, three, those three things. First of all, let's decide. Let's decide. We need to think about what we're thinking. We need to monitor our thinking. How are we thinking? And what do we, what do we believe about God last week? But what do you believe about yourself? And Satan's got a million and one things he wants you to believe about yourself. And I'm going to just throw a bunch of them at you this morning, okay? A bunch of lies. And, and I want you to kind of ask the Lord today, kind of identify which one of these lies that Satan beats you up with. Because I just about promise you, he's beating you up with something, somewhere. If he's not, come talk to me afterwards and tell me how you get away with this, okay? Because I, I haven't figured it out yet. Here are, here's just a bunch. I'm just going to throw a bunch of them at you. And you kind of decide which one's yours. I'm a victim. Okay, it's all about me. I can't, I can't pray. I can't witness. I can't understand the Bible. I can't be a good parent. I can't be a good spouse. I'm not good at praying. I don't have enough talent. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough, you know, I'll start to say good looks, but that's obviously not true looking out over y'all this morning. Y'all obviously got that together. Uh, I always goof things up. This is going to be terrible, right? Um, I'm not enough. I don't matter. Nobody really cares about me. They really knew me. They wouldn't care about me. I don't need anyone else. I can't overcome alcohol or addictions or whatever it is. I, I shouldn't expect to have a good marriage. I'm a failure. No matter how hard I try, I'll never measure up. I'll never be loved. I'll never truly belong. I need something else to be happy. Boy, he sells that one big time, doesn't he? I need something else. I have nothing to contribute. My work doesn't matter. These are all lies of the enemy. If you're a Christian, if you belong to Jesus, you've had a genuine conversion experience with Christ, God says something very different about you. God says you're unconditionally loved. God says you are completely forgiven. God says you are accepted in Jesus. God says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God says, nothing can separate you from the Father's love. Can somebody say, thank you, Jesus? That, now, guys, 
I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm not talking about making positive affirmations like the new age positive thinking people are doing. I'm talking about that. They say things like this. I am rich. I am healthy. Every day and every way I'm getting better and better. Well, that's just trying to trick yourself into thinking something's true. Okay? You're trying to make you feel better about it. I'm talking about deciding to believe what God says. I'm talking about going to Scripture and looking at what Scripture says about you. So I want to just drill down on a couple of these uh, ideas this morning that I think will be helpful, just broad ideas that will be helpful. Number one, you got this. You got this. You hear people say that? You got this, man. You got this. You can handle this. You can do this. You're awesome. You're a great parent. You're a great spouse. You're a great worker. You're a great athlete. You're a great Christian. You're a great servant. You're a great person. You deserve better. You're entitled to better. You, I mean, you're awesome. And if you notice, that's not what Paul says. Paul doesn't say when he defends his apostleship to the Corinthians and try to, to, to show them that he is the genuine deal. He doesn't say, dude, y'all remember, I'm a powerful preacher. I am a magnificent missionary. I'm an amazing apostle. It's not what he says. Look at what he says in 2 Corinthians 3, 5 in the New International Version. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything from ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Look what he says. He says, I can't do this on my own. I'm not competent to be a church planner, I'm not confident to be a missionary, I'm not confident to start a, a church, I, I, I don't have anything going for me in and of myself. You can see a real balance here today. Look at John 14, what Jesus said in the uh, contemporary English version. He says, stay joined to me. Now, you'll remember that in the King James, New King James, abide in me. New International, remain in me. I love the way this, this version says, stay joined to me, and I will stay joined to you. As a branch cannot produce fruit unless it stays joined to the vine, you cannot produce fruit unless you stay joined to me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you stay joined to me and I stay joined to you, you will produce lots of fruit. You cannot do anything without me. You see, the truth is, you and I can't do anything of eternal value without Jesus. I am not in myself a very good person, not a good person at all. I don't have what it takes to be the husband that Laura needs. Certainly don't have what it takes to be the parent that Joel and Hannah Grace need. I certainly am not the kind of person that would be the kind of friend. I certainly, certainly don't have what it takes to pastor a church, okay? I am void of that. I don't have the ability to do that, but God makes us competent. The idea here is I am lose all confidence in and of myself, but I am confident in Jesus that he can produce fruit through us. So much different. I was reading a, a, a story about Katie Davis Majors, reading one of her books. She's got another book, Kisses from Katie. Some of y'all remember Kisses from Katie. She's one of my spiritual kind of heroes, kind of like. I love reading her book. She just put out a new book I'm reading. This is what Katie Davis said. We tend to kind of want to, think these people have it all together, right? We kind of think these people, we, we value their stories and, you know, they're kind of walking on air or whatever. She says, I've tried over and over to do life on my own. And she, she talks a lot about being, trying to be in control. And I know better than anyone that I can't because I've messed this up a thousand times. And here's what resonated with me. And I can tell you that when I'm not spending time with him, you don't want to spend time with me. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I read that statement. I said, same. Okay. Katie and I got something in common. Second thing, 
first thing, you know, you've got this. No, God can work through you. And that's why sometimes somebody will say, I can't believe so-and-so would do that. I can. Outside of Jesus, we're all capable of all manner of evil. Second thing, you have nothing to contribute. (laughs) See, Satan's low down. Y'all know that, right? Just low down. First thing he wants to do is get you overconfident of yourself, think you're something. And then the second thing is to beat you down and say, oh, man, you don't even need to try. Why even try? You're, you're not worth anything. You're, you have your work, your words, your conversations, your relationships, the gifts you buy. You don't have anything to contribute. You don't have what it takes. And once again, what Paul says is right. On our own, we don't. But you can't stop there. Look at 2 Corinthians 3, 5, the international. Not that we're competent of ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our confidence comes where? From God. You can't do it by yourself. But we don't go out saying, well, I'm not going to try to witness. I'm not going to try to pray. I'm not going to try to serve. I'm not going to try to influence anybody because I'm not, I'm not anything. Well, no, but Christ in you is. And man, if we can ever, if I can ever get to the place where I can just drill down on, I don't have it, but he does, we'll be a lot better off. Uh, God has equipped you. Look at this. He's equipped you with his wisdom, his gifting, his calling. Yeah, you say, well, you know, I just work at a job. I'm an electrician or a plumber or a farmer or whatever. God calls you to work wherever you're at. Whatever you do, whatever job you have, see that as being sent there. And the biggest thing God equips you with is himself. Everybody say himself. John 15, 4 to 5 again. The very last part of that says, if you stay joined to me. No, no, back up just a little bit. You cannot produce fruit unless you stay joined to me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you stay joined to me and I stay joined to me, you'll produce lots and lots of fruit. Our responsibility it's to make sure that our relationship with God is right. So many times when things aren't going well, we say, well, I just need to communicate better. I just need to be smarter. I need to make better plans. The biggest thing in your life and mine, listen to me, listen to me. If you've drifted off, come back real quick. I want you to catch this. The biggest decision in your life is not your plans and how well you thought this out. The biggest decision in your life is are you rightly related to Jesus? Are you abiding in him? The last one is I'm a victim. (laughs) I'm a victim. I can't do it. See, a victim, if you're a victim of life and circumstances and all that, you can't do anything about it. A victim can't do anything about it. A victim just, life just happens to them. And they just kind of, you can't really do that. I just, I have no, I have nothing to, I can't get myself out of this. But as a Christian, you're never a victim. Life is not just happening to you. You're in the hands of a sovereign. And you can trust whatever happens, God knows what's going on. I was um, reading a book about a guy named Craig Rochelle. Craig Rochelle's pastor of Life Church and an uh, extremely large church. God's done some really cool things there. But he said that when he was going to Bible school, that in his, this is not, he's not Southern Baptist, but in his denomination, halfway through Bible school, you get ordained as a deacon. It's, their deacons are different than our deacons, okay? Just, just feel like you get kind of a, of a probation pastor thing. Okay, and so halfway through, uh, he has to go before these guys, kind of a kind of like our licensing someone to preach. It's be the if you're Southern Baptist, that'd be kind of the closest thing we've got. And so halfway through Bible school, he goes to this deacon ordination thing, and these or these professors and pastors, uh, you know, talk to him and talk about him and, and interview him and all that kind of stuff, and he failed. 
<laughs> failed. And he said, you know, it was one of those things of, really? Y'all don't think I have what it takes? And so he was really, really tempted to quit. But he went back to God, and God's like, you know, I called you. They didn't. And he ended up passing at the, at the end of his, at the end of his uh, Bible school. Study. Second thing, first of all, which decide. Second thing, let's declare. Okay, and what I mean by and I was once again, this is not this. You know, I declare that I'm healthy. I declare that I'm rich. I declare that I'm you know not going to get the cold or flu or whatever it is. No, it's not that. No, I told you last week. Find the truth about God and say it to yourself first thing every morning. I've been saying it every morning when I get up. One of my favorite verses. Um, no good thing does God withhold from those who walk uprightly. Fear not, I am with thee. Be not dismayed. I am thy God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. You see, I don't know about you, but I don't need to let my thoughts just run wild when I wake up in the morning. Because they'll run wild. Do you think your kids run wild? My thoughts will run wild, right? I mean, they just will. They just take off without my permission, man. They just go, Right? And I'm saying first thing several times of the day, learn to say, what is the truth about God right now? What's the truth that God wants me to know about the lies that Satan is telling me? Jesus came to set you free. Satan wants to steal from you. He wants to entrap you with those, bind you up with those sins. Who are you going to believe? So here's your weekly growth suggestion. What truth does God want you to believe and declare this week? What truth are you going to wake up with in the morning? And say, if God is for me, who can be against me? Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. God's working all things for my good and his glory. You don't have to memorize word perfect, a verse. What is the truth that God wants you to have? God's made me confident. He's made me a fruit bearer. I am fully forgiven. I'm accepted by God. I am God's child. Don't let him just run, okay? Gandhi, who wasn't a Christian, Gandhi who wasn't a Christian, said, I will not let anyone walk through my mind with their dirty feet. Don't let Satan walk through your mind with his trashy thoughts. Okay, learn to catch him quick and declare the truth of God about this thing. Uh, I was listening to a guy named John Gordon who's a Christian, and uh, he said his wife hit one of those milestone birthdays here recently and said, man, she just kind of got to complaining around the house. I don't feel good. I hurt all over. Uh, and she said, no, Josh, you know, I'm not ever going to feel as good as I used to. <laughs> I used to feel good. I'm not ever going to feel that way. Kind of like, you know, I'm old now, and you know, my death, best days are behind me. And she went to the doctor to get a checkup. And John said he noticed after, after her checkup, she had her old energy back. She's bounced around the house and all this kind of stuff. And she's like, John's like, what are you, what's going on? She said, the doctor did a test on me and found out I have a gene that most Olympic athletes have. John's like, I played college lacrosse. I'm supposed to have that gene, not you. <laughs> and because they said, you know, you, you have the genetics that Olympic athletes have. It's like, dude, I've got it going on here, right? I've <laughs> got it going on. Uh, at Life Church, the, the, they, uh, they were early on in the computer stages, you know, 20 years or so ago. They were trying to build a, 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 a thing on the computer where people could access the Bible easier. And so they built a website around the Bible, how to, how to make the Bible e use easier. They built this website, and it, and it tanked. It didn't work, wasn't any good, and people didn't use it. And so somebody said, you know, this will give you, this is a date how long ago this was. Somebody said, there's this new thing called apps. 
gives, that gives you a date, right? It's this new thing called apps. And so uh, what if we built an app, a Bible app? And so, uh, you know, the pastor, Craig Rochelle, is like, I don't even know what that is. And they said, well, uh, let's, look, well, let's try it, you know. So they had a 19-year-old guy on staff, part-time staff guy, 19-year-old guy. And they told him, look, we want to build an app for people to be engaged with the Bible, be on their phone. They can, they can just access the Bible. So this 19-year-old part-time staff person built an app called YouVersion. 81,000 downloads in a week. And they made him a full-time staff person. <laughs> no longer part-time anymore. He's full-time staff person now. And uh, that thing's been downloaded over a half a billion. If you've been going to Hopewell for any length of time, I've encouraged you to download version. And one of the things they said was, we wanted all else, as it started kind of taking off, said, we didn't set goals. We want so many downloads. Said, we didn't set goals. He said, we wanted to give the Bible to as many people as possible and get them engaged in God's Word. It would have been easy to say, we tried and it didn't work. I'm 19. I don't have anything to offer. But everybody's got something to offer if you're a believer. Last of all, it's to... Decide to declare this daily, daily. To quit thinking like things like, I need something else to make me happy. Things never work out for me. This is going to be an awful day. I don't, I don't really have anything to contribute. You know, Murphy's Law, anything that can go wrong will go wrong at the worst possible time. I hear way too many Christians saying that like it's true. I know it's kind of a joke, but it's not a joke. What you say about yourself, what you say with, with yourself really is important. Well, I'm just kind of God has bad luck all the time, you know. Just kind of, it's just kind of me. Listen, guys, I want to, you to be encouraged today to find the truth from God, not a positive affirmation. I've said that a lot. I want to make sure we get that. I'm talking about a, a, a truth from God and believe it and declare it and learn when something happens to speak that truth to whatever's going on in your life. I was yesterday, I was out here walking around, I walk around the church a good bit for, for exercise, and I was walking around, and it hit me, it hit me that I'd forgotten something, and um, I hate to forget stuff, and boy, my mind started, it's like a shot of electricity hit me in my body, that's how my anxiety kind of works, it's like electricity hits me in my body, that kind of thing, you know, and I started, and they know where my thoughts went, dude, why do you do this? Why do you forget things like that? Why didn't you put it in your plan? Why didn't you put it in your phone? You're, how old do you have to get before you learn to remember things? What, you're disappointed, people. And in the back, very back of my mind, I've got, you're forgiven in Christ. You're accepted. But I'm wrestling, guys. I'm wrestling with it, you know. And so Laura, I come in, Laura said, well, how did you walk? I said, well, I spent most of it fussing at myself. a lot more peaceful if I would have just grabbed on to the truth about God. Truth was, it wasn't that big of a deal. And the truth was, I didn't even forget it. Actually, it hadn't happened yet. I'm actually right on schedule. <laughs> that's, how, that's how easy Satan can dupe us, right? Learn not to just let your mind run. Learn to speak the truth of what God says because it's true. The close of the story, a guy named Dr. James Gillis. Dr. James Gillis is probably one of the most influential, not influential, probably one of the most incredible people you've never heard of. Dr. James Gillis has um, done more cataract surgeries than anybody in the world. He's one of the most famous ocular uh, surgeons than anybody in the world. It's kind of it a sad state when people know about the Kardashians. They don't know about Dr. James Gillis, okay? 
He's written 40,000, his books, he distributes about 40,000 free books a month. In prisons across America, his books are requested more than any book besides the Bible. He's a Christian, he's a Christian doctor, and Dr. James Gillis has set a record six double Ironman triathlons. A double Ironman triathlon is an Ironman triathlon, but you do it twice the same day. That means that he does a 4.8-mile swim, a 224-mile bike ride, followed by a 52.4-mile run. And they asked him, what's the secret to doing it? He said, the secret, of course, obviously, you've got to have genetics and training and all that. But he said, the thing that gets me through is I learned to talk to myself, not listen to myself. I've got scriptures pre-memorized. And when I get there, I say, I can't finish this. I can't do this. It's too hard. I've got scriptures memorized that I start saying. I, because if you listen, your mind starts running crazy. But you don't listen. You, you don't listen. You speak God's truth to yourself. And so this morning, what is God dealing with you about? Maybe it's time for you to get saved. Maybe it's time for you to... Get involved in a ministry somewhere or another. Maybe you've been thinking about rededicating your life. Maybe you wandered away from God, as we heard in the testimony this morning. And you think, man, I, I, I've been staying out here too long. It's time to come back. Satan's going to lie to you. He's going to lie to you. He's going to lie to you. So this is not the right kind of day. Learn to believe what God says. Today is the day of salvation. Would you stand, please, with heads bowed and eyes closed? Heads bowed and eyes closed. No one looking around this morning. Lisa's going to come to the piano. She's going to start uh, playing softly. And uh, this is what we call our time of commitment, our time of invitation. Um, I want to encourage, where has Satan been lying to you? Where have you been sort of giving up on your relationship with God, on your relationships, in your marriage, or with your kids? or with trying to influence people for Jesus, or growing in Christ, or having joy. Maybe you've just given up on having joy in Christ. Given up on having the peace that God wants you. Maybe he's kind of given up on it. I feel like it's just not for you. Learn to speak truth to yourself. You're not competent, and I'm not competent in and of myself. But our competency comes from God. The most important thing is your relationship with Jesus. Father, I pray this morning, Right now, the Holy Spirit speak very powerfully, very clearly, ways that we can understand about how we're to respond to you during these next few moments. As Lisa plays 